Hi, this is Alan's White Bell, and you're listening to Vicki Abelson's The Road Taken. Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson. I wrote a book called Don't Jump. Andy Stone is my heroine, and she was addicted to everything pretty much except heroin. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. She just totally captures the excitement of, of rock stars. And famous athletes and famous comedians. Sort of an insider's view from the outside. The warmth and wit of Vicky's writing knocked me out. In, in a good way, not, not like Cosby. Too soon? Vicky wrote a book? Vicki Abelson's long-awaited new book, Don't Jump, is finally here. Don't miss it. Available on Amazon. Hey, DJ. So I, I reconnected recently with someone that I knew long ago, and I realized I had a video of us. So I'm trying to figure out where it is and how to find it, and I find it, and it's on a VHS tape. Do you even know what a VHS tape is, DJ? I do. You do. Okay. I've Did no. you have a VCR when you were a kid? Yeah, top. Okay, top loader. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I have a bunch of my memories on VHS tapes, and I've got to transfer that shit over to a DVD because I can't watch. I don't have a VCR. I mean, I actually do have a VCR in my <laughs> closet, but it's not hooked up, and I don't plan on hooking it up. And Lord knows what, what those, I, I wouldn't even know how to use it anymore. I wouldn't trust it. And, eat right. up your tape. Yeah, definitely. It would probably eat it up. So anyway, everybody out there, dust off your old VHS and camcorder cassette tapes and get them transferred to DVD by MP84 Video and Photo Archiving, because I know I'm going to do it. So if you have an adult child that tells you that they had a crappy childhood, you can whip out the DVD and prove them wrong. Much cheaper than therapy. Call MP84 at 310-753-753. 5799. They'll do free pickup and delivery anywhere in LA, and I'm sure you can work out shipping from anywhere else. They also do photo slideshows for any occasion, with or without music, for rock bottom prices. Call 310 753 5799. You'll be glad you did. And tell them Vicky sent you, and you'll get a free hour in the first 10 hours transferred. MP84, transfer that stuff. Welcome to Vicki Abelson's broadcast, The Road Taken, Celebrity Maps to Success. Vicki's the creator and host of the renowned celebrity-driven literary salon, Women Who Write, and the author of Amazon bestseller, Don't Jump. Here's Vicki. Hey, DJ, how you doing tonight? Hey, good, how are you? You know, I'm trying to reset the crazy. Um, There's a lot of crazy to reset. I'm telling you, I, I'm having a really hard time. Uh-huh. And I know a lot of people that are having a hard time. And doing the simplest things, I've been finding that I am staying in bed and working in bed. At, and I'm eating ice cream. And I don't usually, I mean, I have <laughs> things that I like. Like, I'm known for Cheetos. But, I mean, I have things that I usually binge on. But there's something comforting about ice cream. I remember reading something that... When people want um, love, they eat ice cream, and when they want sex, they eat chocolate. I don't know. There's something like that. But all uh. I know is I've been cr- I've been eating a lot of ice cream. I've been cr- eating chocolate. I'm allergic to chocolate. I've been <laughs> staying in bed and working uh. in bed, and I'm having a really hard time having hope. Yeah. And um, 
it seems to be I have like this malaise and sort of this sort of depression around everything because of what's going on in the world. Is, it, has it been I, affecting you? I, I think a lot of people are feeling that. Uh, I think that's why we have. Uh, uh, I don't do. Do we call them riots in the streets? They're not. They're not violent, so I don't think they're a riot, or are they? Well, you no. know, I, I don't think we're having riot. We're not having riots per se, but, but there's certainly been violence. Yeah. There's yeah. certainly been people acting out and doing crazy things and writing crazy things on buildings yeah. and and well, that, that's the bad one. I was talking about the, the the people that are trying to revolt against this badness. Yeah, I know there's been a lot of cities with with marches and stuff trying mm-hmm. to fight back against that. So, but there there ha- I, I wouldn't call those riots. Those are no. marches. Yeah. and demonstrations, Pro- protests, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, although they've been arresting people, and um, you know that that's. Uh, recently um a friend of mine's son uh went to a sit-in and they were just singing we shall overcome and they arrested 80 kids they arrested 80 kids for singing we shall overcome and but they did actually they didn't arrest them they detained them they like took them in shot them with sandbags (laughs) (laughs) they like took them into the station and like but they didn't arrest they couldn't arrest i don't know but it's where was it I don't even know where it was. I saw it on, I saw it yeah. on Facebook. Where do I read everything? Right. But it was somebody's son this happened to. I think it actually happened in Los Angeles somewhere. Yeah. But it's just, maybe it happened in New York. I don't know. It's just, to me, I'm trying to figure out how to adjust to the new normal. Yeah. Because this is going to be our new normal. I mean, everything that that we as a nation fought for the last hundred years to accomplish and human rights, civil rights, equal rights, women's rights, gay rights is all going to go away. Is all going away. And we're going to have to start all over again. Yeah. It's a a huge shift. It's way bigger than, than, you know, when the last time we changed power, you know, uh, things changed, but not, not like this. No, and it was it, the, no. It, no, but but I mean, when the Obamas came in, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we've had the most wonderful eight years with them. I mean, yeah. everything's been progressive, right. as opposed to now, it's it feels very regressive. Yeah. It also feels really scary. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the latest thing is I refuse to say his name, but the latest thing is he is not my president. He he only wants to live part time in the White yeah. House. <laughs> so they're going to do things like they're going to have to close down Fifth Avenue. Yeah. When what? And then he gave top security it clearance to his kids. So they're going to know, like, who shot Kennedy and who caused 9 11. What? Right. You know, all this brilliant. Cr- crazy stuff is going on. Did so, d- do you watch uh, House of Cards? I don't. Oh. No. Well, do you know the premise? In, yeah, I watched no. the first episode. Well, there's there are a lot of similarities, i got to say. Okay. Well, like that eerie. sounds really. Yeah. yeah bad. I guess bad. I'm going to have to watch it's, it. It's really <laughs> scary. So. So anyway, I think what the what the anecdote I think what it is to to adjust to the new normal is I've I now call it the three C's, except there's a fourth one I came up with, but community, commiserating, and collaboration. I because I find that the only time I don't feel insane is when I'm talking to other people. Yeah. And because then I can shut down the noise in my head. Otherwise, it's just craziness. And also, the fourth C is now comfort, comfort food, comfort, comfort food. clothing, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, anything that that soothes and 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 sweat takes pants. sweat. So I'm I'm actually <laughs> gonna have a women who write um coming up in a few weeks, and I'm gonna 
I'm gonna, we're going to do this. I'm going to make it the beginning. I'm, I'm going to let everybody like a town hall meeting say their feelings and cry and commiserate and That's collaborate. Good. And then I'm going to have like a big piece of oak tag with a, with a, uh, a, a sharpie and I'm going to write down like activist thing because that's the other that's the other anecdote is to become an activist yeah you know I'm wearing this safety pin and I just read online that you can't wear not to wear the safety pin unless you're willing to stand up and and actually take action like if somebody is yeah. being violated to get it, it to, to get in there yeah. and fight for them and and all of that so activism is another way to combat this um but th- this whole collaboration and community and commiserating makes me think of our guest tonight. Um, because Alan Zweibel has worked in community and collaboration with everybody that he's worked with. And, and I don't know if, you, if you're aware. I, I, it'll, I think it'll blow your mind when you find out everything he's done. But Alan was an original writer on Saturday Night Live. And he's yeah. won multiple Emmy Awards, Writers Guild Awards, TV Critics Awards. Um, he won. F- he's won for the Gary Shandling Show, which he co-created and produced. PBS's Great Performances, The Late Show with David Letterman, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Wow, That's right? Yeah. Um, he's a frequent guest on all the talk shows. Um, his the- theatrical contributions include his collaboration with Billy Crystal on the Tony Award-winning Seven Hundred Sundays, Martin Short's Broadway hit Fame Becomes Me, and the off-Broadway play Bunny Bunny, which he did for Gilda Radner. Um, which he adopted from his own best-selling book. Um, he wrote all the stuff Gilda did in the old days on Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you've seen any of those old Saturday Night oh, Lives yeah. with Gilda. Absolutely. Oh, my God, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So he's written books. Um, he's got the Thurber Prize-winning novel, The Other Shulman, a, a popular children's book, Our Tree Named Steve, North, a collection of short stories and essays called Clothing Optional, um, the novel Lunatics that he co-wrote with Dave Barry, another incredible collaboration, and the recently released middle grades novel Benjamin Franklin, Huge Pain in My Blank. <laughs> um, he's co-written screenplays for the films Dragnet, North, The Story of Us, and he received the Writers Guild of America East Lifetime Achievement Award. He's currently writing the book for a Broadway musical version of Fields of Dreams. Oh, my God. Alan Zweibel. Hey, Alan. Hey, Vicki. Thank you so much for, for, for doing the show. I am um, ex- I, I'm, I'm really excited to to have you on you know i don't know what you know about the road taken but the quick the quick story of it is it's basically talking to my heroes about how they managed to merge creativity and commerce and create to to live their dream and be to be successful like it's sort of like your map to success and you've had a fuck ton of it and <laughs> well, you have, and what, what I a what what kind of time? a fuck ton, Alan? You've had a fuck ton of it, and you know I don't usually curse oh, wow. on th- I don't usually curse on this show. I've been really well behaved, but I've decided sure you know. that I I've decided fuck that. But um, <laughs> but what I love about you, Alan, is that you well one of the things is that most of what you do is in collaboration with other people, with other artists, and. We're, I want to talk to you about that too. Um, you know how that came to be, and we're, we're going to go back from the beginning. But I, I was saying that you have like sort of the three C's. I was in, in this time, in this climate of what's going on in the world. Um, the only thing that seems to be s- keeping me somewhat sane in this new normal, which doesn't feel normal at all, is community, 
um, communication, collaboration, and comfort. You know, that, the, it's like, yeah. And, and those are things that you seem to have lived through your whole career. So, okay, so let's start at the beginning. So you're, you're little Alan Zweibel. When do you realize you're funny? Yeah. When do you realize you're funny? Oh, God, I, I think probably in elementary school, I, I, I realized I was able to make the kids laugh. And um, as I went through school, I, um, I continued doing that, you know, especially like in high school, you know, um, I, I became a sort of a popular kid mm-hmm. uh, because of sports and because of being able to make kids laugh. And I also was able to make my teachers laugh, which got me out of... Uh, <laughs> A lot of homework and, and <laughs> tests. I would I would write poems about how sick I was. <laughs> I couldn't take the test, and uh, they would let me off because they were laughing. So I, I sort of lucked out that way. I love it. And, and did you? Were you like an actor in school? Did you do school plays? Did you do any of that stuff? No, did none of that. Oh. I was a jock. Uh-huh. I, I was a jock, but so I, I never did anything theatrical. I didn't belong to any drama clubs. It was just all sports. And um, the funny part was uh, just something I nurtured on the side. You know, I, when I was growing up, Alan Sherman was really big. Oh, he my God, the, I loved Alan Sherman. I had that album, Hello, Mother, Hello, What's Father. What's that? I had that album, Hello, Mother, Hello, Father. I love Alan Sherman. Yeah, that yeah. was my son, the folk singer. And, yes. um, <laughs> and he used to be on the Ed Sullivan Show a lot where he did parodies of popular songs. Uh-huh. And I started doing that at an early age, you know. And then I saw the old Dick Van Dyke show. Mm. And I'm looking at this show and I see uh, Dick Van Dyke is playing a guy who's a, a comedy writer mm-hmm. who's uh, married to Mary Tyler Moore, who is really pretty mm-hmm. and uh, lived in a really nice house in New Rochelle and had a kid and he spent his days at the office lying on a couch joking around with Buddy and <laughs> Sally. And I went, I said, I, I want to do that. That looks like a good gig, you know. So th- that's how it all started. So, and when did you start writing? When, wh- okay, so you wrote notes to your teachers that were funny. When, when did you write your first thing that you said, okay, this is, I can be a writer? Uh, actually, in college, I went to the University of Buffalo. And if you're going to spend four years in Buffalo, you need a sense of humor. (laughs) So uh, that was number one. Oh, my God, DJ's from Buffalo. (laughs) What you call it? I started writing uh, jokes that I sent into uh, Johnny Carson, who was hosting The Tonight Show at the time, and Dick Cavett. You did that while you were in college? In college, yeah. Carson and Cavett and started writing pieces for Mad Magazine. And uh, I actually have... Still have it. My wife found it. Um, a portfolio, like a thick folder of about seventy to eighty rejection slips. <laughs> every magazine, every variety show that was on the air in the seventies. It's just a big, thick portfolio of, uh, you know, basically telling me uh, we can't use your stuff. But you know, I started writing stuff that Dick Cavett. Okay, but wait, wait, let, wait, anything. stop! Because this is too great, yeah. Alan. Tell me how you. Could you remember the first thing you sold to Cavett or to Carson? Like, how did that happen? I didn't sell any. I, what I'm trying to say is, oh. I didn't sell anything to oh, them. Okay. I, I. But the jokes that I sent were really close to the ones that they started that they were using in their monologue. Uh-huh. Like, if there was a big snowstorm, I would write a big snowstorm uh, joke, and. Uh, I, got, I was encouraged about how close I was mm. to 
writing like professional writers did, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell my first joke uh, until I got uh, out of college. Now, how, how did you how did you even submit to Carson, and how did you figure out how to do that? I wrote jokes, and I put it in an envelope, and I addressed it to Oh, uh, you literally Johnny sent Carson, them like snail... Okay, so you sent them snail mail. Okay, that's good. Okay, I'll, yeah, this is before the internet, Well, there was of no other way to do right, it. This right. was 1970. Right, okay, good. Okay, so so you, you, you start writing, and you're encouraged because you're, you're, in, you're in the right... You're on the right lane. Yeah, but the jokes were... They were, they were close, really close to what they were saying. You know, and and uh, so it was encouraging to me. Were you that, doing stand up? Well, maybe you have something to offer. You know, well, that was much later. Um, oh. I started writing jokes for stand up comedians when I was out of college. I started writing for guys in the Borscht Belt, um, who I sold jokes to for seven dollars a joke, which yeah. was going great. What and, was the um, What was the first thing you sold, Alan? Who it was to? Yeah, I, I sold a joke to a comedian named Freddie Roman, who was oh, a Castle comedian. Mm -hmm. I wrote it. Well, he's still around. He's quite a good comedian. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote a joke about um, uh, sperm bank. It's a now things called sperm banks, which is just like an ordinary bank, except here after you make a deposit, you lose interest. <laughs> And uh, that was, I, I, I wrote that when I was 21. I was 1971, I wrote that joke. That's and I still an excellent joke. Dozens of shows. It's, that, that joke has got like a road coming. You know? <laughs> That's still an excellent joke. So how did, you, how did you get material to Freddie Roman? I knew Freddie Roman back in the day. How did you do that? Well, it all started when my mom and dad went to Lake Tahoe, mm -hmm. and they saw a show, Engelbert Humperdinck was mm -hmm. Star, mm -hmm. And uh, the guy who opened for them was a was a Borscht Belt comedian named Morty Gunty. Oh God! And my mother I ran Morty. into him the next day in a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. Said she had a son who uh, was interested in writing jokes and comedy, and I started writing for him. And then he started spreading the word around the Catskill Mountains, oh. or people, uh, other comics would say, "Who who gave you that joke?" And he would say, "Alan, give him a number." So I started writing for all those guys. That's so fantastic. You know, my father was an MC in the Catskills back in those days, and he oh, really? he introduced all those guys. Yeah, so uh, yeah. so I was listening to those guys telling your jokes, Alan Zweibel. I love that. Okay, so so you're writing for the Catskills guys, and how did you then segue to television? How did that happen? Well, what happened was um, I got tired of writing for them because it was a different sensibility. I was 21, 22 mm -hmm. years old. Mm -hmm. And these guys were 45 and 50. It was like writing for my parents. <laughs> so, uh, generation. Yeah. So I took all the jokes they wouldn't buy from me, mm -hmm. and I made it into a stand-up act uh, for myself. I, I went on stage at Catch a Rising Star mm -hmm. in New York City. And when is this? one of the showcases. 74. Okay, that's early stand-up, yeah. Uh -huh. it, and the, and the, um, the plan was to... Um, to tell my jokes with the hope that, you know, a manager or an agent would like the material mm -hmm. and maybe want to represent me because I wanted to write for TV. Mm -hmm. And one night a guy named Lorne Michaels came in and he was looking for writers for this brand new show that he would have in the fall called Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. He liked my material. I had a meeting with him and uh, he gave me a job as one of the original writers. 
and how how did your uh, that's so at what point did you decide I want to write for television? That's was it the Dick Van Dyke show? Was it that still working in your head? Yeah, I think it was the Dick Van Dyke show, and the. There was a show on in the early in the mid '60s called "That Was the Week That Was." Love that show. It was on Friday nights, mm-hmm. which was on NBC, and it was a it was an it was an American version of an English show. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Frost hosted it, mm-hmm. and um, Buck Henry was on it, and it was produced by a guy named Herb Sargent. Both both Buck and Herb, I got to work with, and they became mentors of mine when mm-hmm. when SNL started. But mm-hmm. I, I I really liked what they were doing, what they were saying, and they were making people laugh, and they were smart. Mm-hmm. And I said, gee, I wonder if I could do that. Did, so so it was always okay for you, the thought of writing for somebody else, even though you did your own stand-up. So when you segued to writing on Saturday Night Live, did you ever do, were you, were you on any of those early sketches? Did they ever use you in sketches? They, well, yeah, I was in over 50 of them. Wow. Whenever they needed a big Jew to look dead <laughs> or have electroshock <laughs> therapy, they pushed me out there. I was in a ton of them. Uh, Gilda once rode me into Bethlehem. I, I was a donkey uh, in, in, in a, a Christmas sketch. I had electroshock therapy in a what was called Spud Deer, in a, a commercial for people who just had electroshock uh, shock therapy and didn't know the difference. Uh, I think Franken wrote that. Franken and Davis. No, so I just and today, I mean, I go on the, all the talk shows, you know, yes. these days. Yes. And I do public speaking and stuff. Right. But back then, I was real. Used to get really nervous, and guilty. Used to have to get me drunk or uh, just you know hypnotize me. There's one show that I was actually a corpse. It was a funeral sketch, and I was lying dead in a coffin. Okay. Yeah. And I was so nervous <laughs> that my hand was shaking. So, so the dead person's <laughs> hand was shaking. <laughs> so, okay. So you're talking about Gilda. How how did that? Because you had a, a magical relationship with Gilda that went beyond. How how how, how did she become? How did you become her person? How did that happen? We we just made each other laugh from the get go, and she was this you know. Um, she was a little spooked out by New York. It was a uh, the big city. Mm-hmm. You know, she was born in Detroit. Mm-hmm. She went to University of Michigan. Then later, she went to Toronto. You know, where she was in Second City. Mm-hmm. But New York overwhelmed her a little bit at first. And New York was like my city. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up on Long Island, mm-hmm. and we made each other laugh. And so we started hanging out, and we started going to dinners, and we started becoming buddies, mm-hmm. and um, uh, we started writing together. It, it just it was a mm-hmm. natural. That uh, natural gravitation that we had toward each other, mm. you know, and, and then when we started, um, you know, I remember one time we both had a speak, uh, we had a speaking engagement at Queens College, and we took a subway there, and we got so excited about an idea that we had for a sketch that we missed our stop and we had to go back. <laughs> you know, it was, we were just totally enchanted with trying to make each other laugh and putting it down on paper. Ay, ay, ay. And and boy, did you make me laugh. Um, the, the the work that you did with Gilda to this day holds up as some of the funniest comedy that's ever, ever been done anywhere. Oh, my God. Um, well, she was easy to write for, and she was so funny and so creative. Anything we did together, it was uh, a pure synergy. But, my God, she would take whatever I did and just, Bring it to another level. As did John Belushi. I wrote the Samurai oh. 
Oh, my God. And it was the same thing. You know, these guys would take something which was like a B minus and and, and make it like an A plus. You know, they they were just so great. So can you tell me like a couple of your favorite things that you wrote on Saturday Night Live in the early days? The Samurai certainly won. Well, you know, also, Gilda and I created a character called Roseanne, Rosanna Dan. The best thing ever. Popular. Oh, God. Yeah, the best thing ever. You know, and I had a hand in Emily Latella, as did other writers. That, that was a, an amalgam. So, oh, so Emily Latella, you did some. And was there, like, is there a particular sketch, like a particular Roseanne, Rosanna Dan, or a particular, was there anything that just like when you wrote it, when it was performed, you said, this is like the greatest thing ever. Well, I never said this is the greatest thing ever, but, you know, it was so long ago, mm-hmm. it's hard to pick which one. You know, I, the one that's often played is one that um, uh, <laughs> Gilda joined a uh, an athletic club because she had gained weight when she stopped smoking, mm-hmm. and she joined, like, the New York Health and Racquet Club or something, mm-hmm. and... Uh, she saw Joyce Brothers in the uh, sauna mm-hmm. with a sweatball on her nose. So I, I remember that being pretty popular uh, w- when it happened. But, you know, God, There's, it was so long and, and, and you had so many that, that are iconic that it's probably impossible to count. Okay, so then you wrote a book. You wrote Bunny Bunny. Um, okay, so well, wait. Well, I wrote Bunny Bunny. Oh, if we're still on the Gilda subject, yeah, I mean. I mean, I did other stuff in between. Okay, so so uh, what did you do in like between? It's, so it's Gary Shandling's show. Oh God! It was the last I co-created with Gary Shandling. How did that relationship that start? Last, what's that? How did you and Gary start? I love Gary. He was a mentor of mine. How did that start with you and him? Well, Gary. Well, that, what happened was I had the same manager as him. Uh, Bernie Brillstein was my manager for thirty years. Wow! And uh, when when Brad Gray went to work with Bernie, mm-hmm. Brad managed uh gary mm-hmm. and gary was uh doing a uh a special for showtime which mm-hmm. was really funny it was a uh a talk show and they made believe it was the 25th anniversary of this talk show mm-hmm. and um uh, bernie called me and asked me um if i knew who gary was and i said yeah i'd seen him on letterman mm-hmm. and i um they flew me out because you know they needed fresh eyes for this special that he was doing, mm-hmm. and I had an idea for a show. He had an idea for a show, uh, and it was basically the same show. It was mm-hmm. a show that ended up being it's Gary Shandling's show. Oh, um, his his was a. I wanted to do a show uh, like the Dick Van Dyke show, mm-hmm. but where the Dick Van Dyke character was married and had a couple of kids, as I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, and was a comedy writer. Mm-hmm. He had the same idea, but for himself as a comedian. So we blended the two ideas together and we, uh, we wrote this pilot. We wrote it cross country. He was in LA. I was here in New York and we would, uh, we beat it out what the pilot script should be. We alternated scenes and we, we said, we gave it to FedEx, FedEx to the other person. But we then found out that FedEx in those days, this is like 1986. Mm-hmm. They had something called Zap Mail, Z-A-P, yeah. Zap Mail, where it guaranteed that it would get to anywhere you wanted to, I think in like three hours. What? And we're going like, how's that possible? Yeah. Okay. It, it, well, it was a fax machine, but uh-huh. nobody had ever heard of fax machines uh-huh. at that point. It was 
It was the first fact. It, 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 it hadn't been in anybody's house yet. Uh-huh. So, like, you know, those kinds of places had it, but they called it Zap Mail. And we wrote this script, Cross Country, uh, just alternating screens, and, uh, scenes, rather. And um, wow. we did this show that lasted four years. And Gilda, her last television appearance was in one of the uh, episodes of The Scary Challenge. Oh, gosh. Wow. Okay, so iconic Saturday Night Live, iconic It's the Gary Shandling Show. Okay, so, and by the way, you're very good, I understand, doing that um, across the country or across the miles collaboration because you did the same thing with Dave Barry when you were writing Lunatics, right? Well, you know, something that was so many years later, you know, there, there was, I had done so many things by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wrote Bunny Bunny by myself, mm-hmm. best-selling children's book called Our Tree Named Steve. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like lots of books I had written and a lot of plays mm-hmm. that were written. Um, the, you know, the, the, but the big collaboration that came along afterwards was writing um, 700 Sundays with Billy Crystal. Okay, so how, of, did that, uh, how, did, Award. how did that happen? I saw it. Fantastic. Brilliant. How, how, did, uh, how did you and Billy Crystal? I know. Did, well, no, you were already well, off Billy, Saturday Billy, night. I met Billy in the club back okay. in 1974. Uh-huh. And I met Larry David back then, and those two remain my best friends to this very day. And uh, Billy, Larry, and I shared a suite of offices at Castle Rock. Mm. This is in the early 90s, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. early to mid-90s. And one day Billy came into my office, and he said that he wants to um, do a one-man show, mm-hmm. hopefully for Broadway. Mm-hmm about his dad, uh, called 700 Sundays, asked me if I want to collaborate with him on it, and uh, eventually we did. And um, it, that was so gratifying, and I felt so honored. We had as close as, he's Uncle Billy to my kids, mm. but we had never worked together, but he trusted me with his family, Aww. you know, to write about them and to put words in their mouth. And I was really an honor that I took very, very seriously. So. That was successful, and yeah, the long distance, that was done together, mm-hmm. but the long distance thing, like you said, you know, I'd written a number of books by myself, including uh, The Other Shulman, which was a novel that won the Thurber Prize. Yes, fantastic. And, uh, but that's such solitary stuff mm-hmm. that when I met Dave Barry... How'd you meet um, Dave Barry? We when started, was that? Well, what had happened was one year, and I'm trying to remember, the, you could look it up, Steve Martin was given the Mark Twain Award, okay, okay, which is like the Lifetime Achievement for Comedy. Right. Okay? And they gave it, and they give it in Washington, D.C. Um, I went to it. I worked on it because he had Larry David do a speech, you know, uh, about him. Uh-huh. I helped Larry with his speech. So I went down there, you know, to, to, to be with Larry and to help him tweak the speech and right. all of that. At the after party, uh, Dave Barry was there because Dave also gave a speech about Steve. Steve had asked him to do so. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dave and I gravitated toward each other, said we liked each other's work. And then we started having this email um, relationship. And then we we met each other a lot when we had book tours. Mm -hmm. And we would be in the same city at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then finally I said to him, I said, let's write something together. 
And uh, he lives in Coral Gables, Florida. Mm-hmm. I live in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And we wrote a book called Lunatics, mm-hmm. Long Distance, not unlike the way I did a Gary Shandling show with right. Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Lunatics, it's two main characters. He assumed one character. I assumed the other. And we just alternated chapters. So, um, and th- that was uh, pretty successful also. So, but it was fun because I had no idea what he was going to send me. Mm-hmm. It, it was like having having a, well, it's like having this insane person as a pen pal. <laughs> <laughs> something would come in the email. I would have no idea what it was. You know, it would make me laugh. And then I go, oh, I'll show him. <laughs> so I'll send him my next chapter, you know. And, it, and, and, and the book came out in 2012. And at the end of the book, the last chapter or so, takes place um, here in New York, I think, no, pardon me, I think it was Washington, that's immaterial, but it was at the Republican National Convention when Donald Trump was named uh, candidate. Oh. And this was 2012. You know, I read the book when it came out, and in fact, I had dinner with you and Dave when you were doing a lunatics tour thing. Um, I have to go back and look at my, co- Are you, do you swear? <laughs> Oh my God! I swear, why would I? Yeah, oh I was bragging about a thing like this. Oh my God! No. Oh my God! In there, that's insane. And I and I know that it was Dave's idea. Oh my God! Because it was one of his chapters uh, where he introduced the idea of it. So we have to blame Dave. This is all Dave's fault. No, oh. I blame I blame him for everything. <laughs> Anything that goes wrong, even if even if my car breaks down, I I, I blame Dave. For it. <laughs> Oh my God, that's that's insane that that's in Lunatics. I I really do have to go back and read that last chapter. That's crazy. I didn't yeah, remember sure. that. Yeah, it, sure. It's one of the last ones. Wow. It's one of the last. Chapters. That's insane. Okay, so so you you have okay, so but I want to go back because because Dave, I just looked it up. The Mark Twain Award was in two thousand and five that that Steve Martin got it. So you guys knew each other for like six years before you. Okay, were. okay so that's when we met. Okay, so so meanwhile, but a lot happened in that time. So so you would do these. So you did that. It's the Gary Shandling show. And then what what happens after that? Oh, after that, let's see, the Gary Shandling show, after that went up, oh, I did an amazingly unsuccessful <laughs> series called Good Sports with Ryan O'Neill and Farrah Fawcett. Oh, my which, God. Um, was just, it was such a nightmare. <laughs> um, uh, it took me years and years before I got back on solid food. It, it was horrible. <laughs> it, it, Tell me why. What, what, was, what was the horror? It was a fucking nightmare. How because so? they weren't funny. Oh. Okay? I mean, to be blunt, yeah. they, they weren't, or at least they weren't funny the way I, I was funny. It was just a bad, yeah. it, it was a shotgun wedding. <laughs> and, um, I, I, you know, it was something, it was the only time that I ever did anything where I went against my uh, gut. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've had things that have been successful. I've had things that have been unsuccessful, but I, there was always a nobility to the attempt mm-hmm. because I believed in it. Mm-hmm. This was the only time that I didn't believe in what I was doing. I was talked into it, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I paid the price. And can, so uh, afterwards, I did a number of pilots. I mm-hmm. did some movies. Can you tell me I something that failed that was a noble attempt? Because just to humanize you, because you've had so many incredible successes, was there something that you loved that didn't fly? Yeah, I had a book called North. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 
uh, the book did sort of okay. Mm-hmm. Rob Reiner did uh, mm-hmm. directed the movie version of it, mm-hmm. and it just went straight into the toilet, mm-hmm. and it got some of the worst reviews in the history of reviews. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, as a matter of fact, I have I went on Letterman's show and read Roger Ebert's review <laughs> of it, and it's in that review he used the word hate I think fourteen times. <laughs> What a great segment for Letterman, though. <laughs> God. No, no, I read it. It was real fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Oh my God, that's hysterical. Okay, so so you're 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 doing various things that are succeeding, not succeeding. So okay, yeah, so. and then Larry Larry comes Larry David comes up with Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a couple of years. I was like a consulting producer on it, but you know, and then recently uh, Larry used me as an actor in one of the episodes. He created a character for me. Um, called Duckstein, and uh, where I ran into Larry when Larry was in New York, mm-hmm. and we were both from L.A. It was coincidental that we were both in New York, and uh, I asked him if he wanted to go to lunch, and he said, we never go to lunch in L.A. Why should we go to lunch just because we're both in New York? Mm-hmm. And basically, he didn't want to have lunch with me, and the whole episode was me wanting to have lunch with him and him trying to get rid of me, mm-hmm. which is not a stretch, by the way, <laughs> I, 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 for me. You know what I mean? The, the, the fact that somebody would not want to see me eat is not a foreign concept at all. <laughs> ah, hysterical. Okay, so you, work, so you worked with Larry. So, so your relationship with Larry goes back to New York? like The old, early days y- at the improv, just like it did with, uh, with Billy. Yeah. Wow. And and so is there anything okay so so now okay so let's get up to speed because you've got a couple of really huge things going on right now you're writing a Broadway musical for Field of Dreams is this true well yeah you know look seven hundred Sundays opened up a lot of doors mm. theater wise you know Bunny Bunny which was a book mm-hmm. that I had written about me and Gilda mm-hmm. uh, was an off Broadway play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now some producers uh, want to bring it to Broadway now. Oh, fantastic! Year. So I'm I'm revisiting that play. I'm rewriting it. Wow! Um, you know, and uh, there's some hopes that that, that will have another incarnation you, here. How do you get anybody to play Gilda, though? Oh my God! Well, it doesn't matter. It's a love story. If mm. you if you root for the two people mm. to 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 end up with each other, and you and they have chemistry, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not a direct, um, I think it's death to uh, have a, somebody try to impersonate. I yeah. don't think that that's a good idea. I, I think agree. it's, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Jim Brooks, um, when the book came out, mm-hmm. uh, James L. Brooks staged uh, a, a few readings of it and the different pairings, mm-hmm. because the book is written in pure dialogue. She talks, I talk, she talks, mm-hmm. I talk for 14 years of a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he had pairings like, you had Jason Alexander and Julia Louis-Dreyfus mm. read it. And this was to raise money for Gilda's Club when it was starting, okay? Mm-hmm. We did it on Broadway. We did it at the, um, uh, what was then called the Westwood Playhouse, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had... Um, Holly Hunter and Woody Harrelson, wow. which are two unlikely people. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing like me, nothing like, no one knows mm-hmm. who I am, so that doesn't matter. But Holly Hunter, but the two of them, there was chemistry there. Was so there? It's, it's not a matter of mm-hmm. playing Gilda. It's playing an actress who 
captures the spirit right. of her. You know what I'm saying? And did Holly it's, it's do that? It's not an impersonation. Did Holly, huh? did Holly have that spirit? God, she knocked it out of the park. Wow, I adore her. Absolutely. Wow. She was great. So hopefully it will happen again that way, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, after 700 Sundays, I also collaborated with Martin Short on his yes. Broadway show called <laughs> Fame Becomes Me. Fantastic. So, and I sort of got smitten with the whole theater thing because mm-hmm. it's the closest thing for me right now to live television. You know, you write something at night, mm-hmm. you put it in rehearsal the next day, and it's and then you do it in front of a thousand people that night. You wow. know what I mean? And then it's uh, there's something thrilling, and uh, really it keeps you on your toes uh, about that. It's a little bit of a high wire act because something could work. Or it could go right into the toilet. It's fun. You you don't have the benefit of editing, you know. Or right. Anything. How how did your relationship? How did you start a relationship with with Martin Short? How did that happen? When did that happen? Um. It, well, it we knew each other. It's really interesting. We knew each other socially, mm-hmm. but Gilda had told me when we were doing SNL. She said, Marty Short is the funniest guy on the planet. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know who that was at the time Mm -hmm. because this was in the 70s and I didn't see SCTV. I was unfamiliar with him. Mm -hmm. And then when I became familiar with him, I agreed. And years later, uh, and we would see each other at parties and we have mutual friends. uh, But he wanted to do a a one-man show that had a cast of <laughs> okay, it was yeah. a parody of a uh, of a one man show, and it was a musical. Mark Shaman and uh, Scott Whitman did the music and the lyrics, mm-hmm. and uh, he asked me to write the book for the show, and I couldn't because I was going on book tour for my own book, The Other Showman. Uh-huh. And it was a heartbreak, but I was obligated to go on, on tour. Mm-hmm. When I got done with my tour, Bernie Brillstein, who also managed Marty, mm-hmm. called me and said, get your ass to San Francisco. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the show was out of town, and it was struggling a little bit. Uh-huh. I went there, uh-huh. and I thought that maybe I could help. And so I joined the team, and uh, we brought it to... Uh, after San Francisco was Toronto, then Chicago, then Broadway, wow. and where it was uh, it did really, really well. Hell yeah! So you know, I, I, I was smitten. So you mentioned uh, a musical. Yeah, I've been asked to write the uh, book for a um, Broadway musical version of the movie Field of Dreams. Wow! So uh, that's uh, that's something I'm very passionate about because it's one of my favorite movies, and uh, it's about fathers and sons and mm-hmm. things like that, which. Uh, you know, I, I, it's in my wheelhouse, you know. Are you in the thick of that right now? Yeah. And and is it, it, can you say, do they have the person who's writing the music yet? Is that... Yeah, we do, but I don't know how... Let, let's just leave it at this because there's been no press release yet. Okay. So, um, you, you know, I just... We'll, you know, we'll wait I'll, on I'll that I'll just news. tell you my involvement. Mm-hmm. And once and once it's publicized, uh, you know, I, I'll be feel free to talk... Uh, further about it absolutely um i um i'm friends with phil rosenthal and he was working on the um on a musical version of tootsie for broadway a couple of years ago with um tommy you know about this with with who with tommy well yeah. i'll tell you what i know yeah um 
it was an it was an unpleasant experience, correct? It was it was certainly that. Yes, it was. Yeah, no, and the reason I know it is this: two weeks ago during the New York Comedy Festival, mm-hmm. I ho- I moderated a panel. I oh yeah, a panel. Uh huh. Of fellow comedy writers, and on it were Pamela Adlon, love her, uh, Mike Reese, mm-hmm. Mike Reese, Larry Wilmar. And um, and Phil and Phil Rosenthal. Yes, I saw that and on your Phil Facebook. Phil and I, mm-hmm. we kept on, and I told him that I was doing this. Uh-huh. And he says, "I've got to tell you about my Broadway experience." Yeah. He said it was a nightmare, yeah. and we never had lunch. We never got together. Oh. We didn't have a chance to elaborate. That's all. You know, Phil's great. I yeah. Mean, I he, here's an interesting story, um, and we told about it. We we spoke about it that night uh, mm-hmm. on the panel during the New York Comedy Festival. A million years ago, mm-hmm. uh, I'm writing Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. and Freddie Roman, who we just mentioned earlier as a Boy Scout comedian that I wrote for, mm-hmm. called me up and said that his son, Alan, mm-hmm. uh, was in a theater group or something like that up at his, I want to say high school, mm-hmm. okay, up in Rockland County. Mm-hmm. So he said, would you come there and observe and Throwing your two cents. Hmm. So I went up there as a favor to Freddie. Very who nice. Was very good to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. But in the class, not only was there Freddie's son, Alan, mm-hmm. but his best friend, Phil Rosenthal. <gasps> and yeah. They were both, yeah. <laughs> they were both either freshmen or sophomores in high school. So that's when I met Phil. Oh, my God. That's cr- Did he? Re- well, of course he remembers that. That's crazy. Oh my God! I have to talk to him about that. That's insane. So, did you did you give him feedback? Did you give Freddie's son feedback? And how do you remember that Phil was? How did you remember Phil? I I remember I didn't remember him until I was reminded. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Years later, after he created Everybody Loves Raymond. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pretty must have said, well, you met him uh, 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, oh, that was him? Okay. Oh, my God. That is a... So it's not like we kept in touch or anything, but, but he's, a, he's a good friend now, and um, I really enjoy being in his company. He's real smart, real funny. He certainly is, and you have to come... You, when you're out in L.A., his pizza movie nights are epic and fantastic. I, I've been to one of them, ah, and it was, yeah. it's great. It, yeah, it's the really best. Really great. The best. Um, okay, okay, so... So we're we're getting we're getting sort of sort of near the end. I I have a couple questions to ask you here. Okay, what, well, put, let me put in a plug. Yeah, plug. Dave Barry. Yes. Dave Barry, uh, Adam Mansback. Now, mm-hmm. are you familiar with that name? You know, Adam Mansback wrote a book a couple of years ago, a children's book called "Go to Fuck to Sleep." Yes, I, I know that because like I have a, a fucking my copy. I have a fucking my title, and we lo- we looked at his book as a as a reference. Yes, because as so you know, Carl Ryan is my publisher. Yeah, go Adam, ahead. Adam, yeah, Adam, Dave, and I. Yeah, God help us. <laughs> uh, this Passover, the pub date is about a month before Passover. We have written a parody of the Haggadah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! All right, and well, it looks wait. Just like a Haggadah. Wait, tell people what a Haggadah is because not everybody is Jewish out there in the road. Okay, taking for land. those of you, um, <laughs> for those of you other people out there, <laughs> the uh, a Haggadah is the book that you use uh, mm-hmm. for all the prayers uh, during the Seder. 
and see you people oh. don't know what a Seder is. That's the festive meal <laughs> during Passover. And for those of you who don't know Passover, <laughs> oh, God, this can go on forever. That's to commemorate when the Jews were uh, left Egypt, of where they were slaves for many, many years. For those of you who don't know what <laughs> Jews are, um, <laughs> Jews are that segment of the population who were the first to come up with there is only one God. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what God is, well, you've got a lot of problems. Okay. I, okay. By the way, DJ, sound engineer DJ converted to Judaism. So, so yeah. Oh, that, we'll see. Good. So let him buy a copy. He'll, he'll, he'll so, but I just learned so much so, from you just now. Is, okay, so now wait. So this this is a this is a, a mock Haggadah. I mean, is it something we could actually use at our Seder if we want to have a, a funny Absolutely. Seder? Absolutely. You will have a choice <gasps> to make this. This Passover, oh. it opens, you know, the same way it does. What from right to left, and it's got the it's got the illustrations just like oh. a Haggadah does. Yeah. But we what we did was we had kind of our own commentary, and we played oh. around a little bit with the with the story of the Exodus. I am... It's really funny. Are, are the songs really in there and everything? Are the what in there? Are the songs in there? The songs that you you can sing Dianu, yeah. and it, but I translated <laughs> it in a way that. Uh, is a little unique, and uh, all the songs are in there. You drink all the wine. You you, you oh. wash your hands a thousand times. You know it's, but you know, so it's an actual service. But you know, the interpretation is a little different than what we're using. You are my, you are my new Passover seder. Her God, I, I, that is like a definite must. I I I will be the first person <laughs> buying a copy of this. My kids are going to go insane. I love this. My well, fa- go go on Amazon, and I think that they're taking pre-orders. The I name love of the it. book, you know, it's written by Dave Barry, mm-hmm. Alan Whitebell, and Adam Mansback. Mm-hmm. And the name of the Haggadah is "For This We Left Egypt." Okay. <laughs> 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 I lo- all right. I love it. I love it. I- I'm so in. I'm ordering my copy. I love it. Did you all? Did you guys also do this via the miles? Did you? Did you each write your part and then send it? How did you do it? We did the same way that I wrote Lunatics with Dave. Yeah. Um, and I had written a mid middle grade book with Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, called Benjamin Franklin, Huge Pain in My Ass. Yes, I, I mentioned that in your we, intro. <laughs> say, what we did was we divided up a, a Haggadah, uh-huh. and we just picked chapters until uh, we kept on going, until it was all uh, done. So now when, when we read, like, one part, are we going to be able to tell that's, like, a different voice than another part, or do they all kind of melt no, together? No, I think that's a very good question. Uh, I don't know if the voices are distinctly different, mm-hmm. but but Dave Barry is uh, a goy. How is a goy writing the Haggadah? <laughs> Dave Barry is honorary Jewish, yeah. <laughs> and he um, is married to Michelle, who is Jewish. Yeah. So um, trust me, he yeah. he knows a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, here's my last question, Alan. Because you yeah. you have accomplished all of this, you've done all these amazing things. You are an iconic writer, comedy writer. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Do you have anything that makes you like, like? I hope nobody's watching me right now. Is there anything like that in your life? Well, there's a certain part of my body that I like to rub a lot more than <laughs> other parts of my body. <laughs> Does that, that count? <laughs> that, I, we, no one's ever said I kind of like that answer. That, that works. I mean, it's, <laughs> off the top of my head, that's the best I can do. I it's, like um, it. You know, it's, 
<laughs> I have a lot of fun with it. I, I'm a I, little guy. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, that's a perfect guilty pleasure. We can we can go with that. Alan, thank you so much for doing this. I've I've had so much fun with you, and although that sounded really wrong, but I've enjoyed every moment. No, thank no, I liked it though. <laughs> I, I liked that. As a matter of fact, I'm now rubbing that part again. Thank <laughs> you. That was great. Thank you so much, and I am so looking forward to the Haggadah, and I, I can't wait to come back to New York. My daughter's at NYU Tisch right now. I will be front row Get center. Get a hold of me. We'll have a delicious lunch. I love it, and then, I, and then I want front row. I want house seats for Fields of Dreams. I can't wait. That's exciting. Congratulations. Okay. All right. Uh, 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 I sure hope that it, uh, it all works out. I and hope I'd so, too. To have you there. Thank you, Alan. Take care. Have a great, have a great night. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Take care, Vicki. Bye-bye. So, so DJ, that was one of my favorite shows that I've ever done in my life. Was Alan not fantastic? Yeah, he's <laughs> done a couple things that are pretty <laughs> awesome, no doubt. And uh, even you, the the non millennial, wh- what is the generation that came before the millennials? What are you uh, called? I don't know. <laughs> Neither do I. I, I think. Uh, oh, what is it? What is it called? Um. I can't remember. Okay, so we'll uh, have to we'll, we'll have, have to, to Google that. We'll, we'll have to Google that. So whatever whatever it is, but but you knew Alan's work, right? You you've watched absolutely. You've yeah, watched those Saturday Night Lives. You've yeah yeah. You you've have you seen it's a, it's the Gary Shandling show? Absolutely. And oh yeah, yep. and of, cu- of course yes. Curb goes without course, saying. Of course, yeah. Um, and these books, I have to tell you, the Lunatics book that he wrote with Dave Barry, like absolutely hysterical. The fact that he foreshadowed Trump as president is freaking me th- right. out like crazy. I have right. to go back and look. Okay, but so he b- he basically. By the way, he basically invented a, like a whole new genre with some of those shows they wrote with, with oh, Gary and hell yeah, 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 hell yeah, a- so. and the Broadway stuff he's done with Martin Short and Billy Crystal, cr- Tony not you know Tony winning, cr- you know yeah. fantastic stuff. Um, I can't wait to see the musical of Field of Dreams. Uh, uh, th- oh that, yeah, I, I, that's like one of my favorite that's movies. So I've awesome. seen it like a, I can't even count how many times. Yeah. Um, okay, so takeaway with Alan. This is interesting because I I I'm 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 talking as i'm thinking um for me i honestly was kind of in awe (laughs) (laughs) so i wasn't really able to put together a a takeaway other than like oh man that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) over and over in my head i know and he was (laughs) he's also so funny and entertaining the little the little thing he did about um after the explaining the Haggadah and explaining if you're Jewish and explain, th- I mean that was like comedy gold right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to get that Haggadah. But so for me, the takeaway, just speaking off the top of my head, because I haven't given it thought, because I'm still laughing about half the things he said. But Alan had a very clear vision, like he saw the Dick Van Dyke show, mm-hmm. and he decided that's what I want to do. Yeah. And he had a stack, what he said, his wife ha- she gave him an envelope with a stack of rejection letters. <laughs> and I guess the takeaway from me with Alan is, fuck that. It does, like, yeah. he had things that failed. He had shows that failed. He was single-minded of purpose. He knew he was funny. Yep. He knew that he could make people laugh. He knew that he could write. And he just kept moving. Yeah. Moving forward plowing through it, letting the rejections just fall off his back yeah. and just continuing to go. That's um, definitely how you got to be. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, and, and also just really knowing, you know, knowing what you want 
knowing um knowing what you want out of life knowing where you want what you're having a goal you know do you have like do you have a goal for yourself is there something specific you want to accomplish in your life me are you asking me i am i have i used to have a i when i was younger i actually had a list a long list a long list a long list of okay. crazy ass shit uh like what like tell me something off your list like on my list had things like host Saturday Night Live. I love it. Okay. Like okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. So yeah, over the years, you know, I started scratching some of them off. I'm like, eh, I don't know if this is really something I need to do or, or will. Um, is anything still on the list? I haven't like literally looked at that list in like a decade now. So I, I don't even remember really. Okay, so forget the list. Is there something ahead of you that, that you have as a life's goal or a dream or ambition? I, I want to write stuff that's uh, looked at the way that, that his stuff is looked at. Like mm-hmm. generations go by and it's still funny or still relevant or still, you know, mm-hmm. make an impact like that. Or uh, Well, you know, that's a really good goal. You know, I, I'm thinking about it now that we're having this conversation. And one of my first goals was to be Johnny Carson. Like I, I wanted to host a talk show. Well, you're. Yeah, I'm kind of hosting a talk show. (laughs) I mean, I'm not exactly on (laughs) NBC and we're not exactly rolling in the dough. But, you know, this is this is a realization of of a dream that I've had all of my life. My father, as I said, was talking about with Alan. My father was a master of ceremonies in the Borscht Belt and introduced people. And so I kind of grew up with that. And um, yeah, so this is sort of this is living a dream for me. And I wrote a book and it came out and it sold a bunch of copies and people liked it and that was kind of a dream. Yeah, goals. Ahead, yeah, ahead for me still is to, um, I want to get that book turned into an episodic television show. I started working on the treatment today, as a matter of fact. I <laughs> sent an email to my manager, okay, I'm finally writing the two-pager. <laughs> um, so that's still something I, I want to accomplish. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying it now because I'm putting myself on record that that's something I plan to accomplish. Did, did we ask him? What his did he, he have a next step goal? You know, well, I think getting this thing on on um on Broadway, having yeah. having this big Broadway um creation because he's he has done a couple. This is the next. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know if we got to like beyond that because he's got these two big things coming up, the Haggadah, True. which it'll be really which I want. Me too, right? <laughs> and it'll be so interesting to see if they're successful with it. I'm thinking it's gonna be like I want to give it his Christmas present. You know yeah. like I would I think I might order that. <laughs> it's kind of an odd dichotomy to a give a Haggadah for I, I think I mean a Hanukkah <laughs> present. <laughs> but you know it's interesting that um that there's this, uh, yeah, like I, I'm really, I think it could be like a, like a whole new craze. Like they, we could have, like I want to have a big Seder and have a lot of people yeah. and like do this. I got to have fun with that be. Yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, that, yeah. Uh, that, and that's such a, like a sort of strange oddity thing for him to do. It's just, it really, uh, it really reminds me how diverse he is. And that's oh, yeah. also something like, as far as like my goals were and still are like, you ask me what I want, like writing is a one thing, but it's like, yes, like how you're saying you want to go off on to do TV and, and all this. He's he's done so much in so many different areas. And, you know, he's done a lot in a lot of different areas. But the common thread is the man is always funny, funny. So he just takes that funny yep. and TV, yep. you know, uh, movies, books magazine articles you know everything he does is yeah. is funny yeah. he's got he's got that going on so um 
he's he's quite a package that Al. And speaking of package, I <laughs> love the takeaway. <laughs> anyway, it's been a great show. Thanks, DJ. All of yeah. you out there, um, we'll see you next Tuesday on the road taken. Um, I look forward to seeing you guys next Tuesday, every Tuesday. But in between those Tuesdays, you can find me at VickiAbelson.com. V-I-C-K-I-A-B-E-L-S-O-N. 